You're listening to the Write Project Podcast and Radio Program. This is a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This show is produced and recorded at CHMR 93.5 FM in Newfoundland and can be heard on that station and online at chmr.ca. I am your host, Matthew LeDrew, founder of Engine Books and author of the Xander Drew series, a supernatural detective thriller from Engine Books. If you'd like to subscribe to get bonus content, including an extra episode every month, you can do that in the description below. Thank you for joining us. Let's see what we have today. You're listening to the Write Project podcast and radio program, a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This program is produced and recorded at CHMR-FM 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, and is aired on other great stations in the province and elsewhere in the country. It can also be heard online at www.chmr.ca. I'm your host, Matthew LeDrew. Welcome to a very special episode of the Write Project Podcast. Today, we've got a host of authors on to answer one of the most frequent questions that's asked of any author. We're asking them, what are common traits for aspiring authors? And today to answer, we have on Amanda Labonte, author of the Call of the Sea and Supernatural Causes series. Amanda, what are common traps for aspiring authors? What are things that we get ourselves into thought modes or, or things like that that, um, that are traps for us? Uh, for aspiring authors? Yes. Okay, so I think the biggest trap is when you're in the middle of trying to create your work and then you start thinking about what you're going to do with it when it's all done. And then you kind of, it's easy to fall down this rabbit hole of I'll never actually sell this or no one is ever going to read it or it's never going to be good enough. And you, you don't finish it or it gets, it's, it prevents you from, from getting your writing in. And I think for a lot of authors finishing, like one of the things I, um, read early on was finishing a first manuscript is like that's that's like gold because it's so hard to get to that one point so pushing through and getting that first finished project um, is probably the hardest thing to do as an aspiring writer but it's obviously it's the one most important thing to do because if you don't have that you don't actually have anything Yeah. yeah. I remember my sister when I was like revising and revising and revising my first book just turning to me one day and um and I remember this super clearly I was visiting her and we were walking down the street in Toronto and she just turned to me and she was like done is better than perfect stop just send it to an editor like you at some point you have to say like you've finished a work yeah yeah and it's interesting because like with anything else like it's almost comparable to like a child where it's like it's it's not going to be perfect after nine months you have to let it out kind of thing <laughs> Like, like you can't just keep I mean, it in there until it's perfect. Mine, mine came out perfect, but I can see your analogy for like. But the problem is, maybe. there's no, there's no standard incubation time for a novel. Like, no. you can't tell someone it's been nine months. Give send it to an editor because it could be five years. I took seven years, um, and I don't recommend that. Um, but I've read books, obviously, by people who took way less time because they were just um, consistently motivated and. Like you can't tell that mine took seven years and somebody else's took like a year or 
two years or 15 years. Like there's not a magic amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And it is hard to tell in the reading of it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 The big thing with, I think with reading books, um, like I've been told is that work gets better over time. And like, oddly, your first book will probably take the most time of any of your work, but later books will probably be better written because you know what you're like, you've, you've gotten into a better flow with it and a better headspace. So it's kind of, it's odd. It's like the, at at some point you'll spend, you'll have to spend less time writing a book, but you could be producing a better product. Yeah, it is. It is strange like that. Yeah. 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 And horrible because your first book is the one you put all of that work into, like seven years all of your life. All that mental energy. Yeah, all yep. that mental energy. And like in some ways it might always be like the inferior of them. Kind of like your first child. Again, back to that. <laughs> but it's perfect because it, it was the first one that was complete. Yes. So you have to look at it from yes, that way too. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Next we have Olivia Robinson, who is the author of... Uh, the Blue Moth Motel, a new book from Breakwater Books. Olivia Robinson, in your experience, what are common traps or pitfalls that are made by uh, aspiring authors, like first-timers or people not yet published, however you want to take that? Oh, um, maybe being too hard on yourself, I guess. I feel like writers are always hard on themselves and don't think that their ideas are good. But I think if you're having fun writing it, then someone else will tell you later if it's good. And maybe it's just for you, so it doesn't matter if it's good. (laughs) So I think, yeah, write for yourself. or for someone um, close to you and then go from there to just, yeah, not put too much pressure on your writing because then when you put too much pressure on it, it becomes not fun. And yeah, I think it should be fun. It should be fun. And also like if you're enjoying it, chances are someone else is going to enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Thank you very much. Next on the line, we have Matthew Daniels, frequent contributor to the From the Rock series, as well as the author of The Diary of Knives. Matthew Daniels, uh, what are common traps for aspiring writers and storytellers? Common traps. Like pitfalls Um, or um, mistakes they make or whatever. Would this also fall under things like uh, being exploited by people claiming to be printers and publishers and the like? Or you could say that, yeah. Because uh, I haven't gone down that road too much myself. I've poked at a couple of things uh, and looked around and stuff, but to my knowledge, I've never been exploited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I also have a master's degree in librarianship where we like we spent a fair amount time looking at integrity of information and phishing tactics and this kind of thing so i have an above average awareness of what these kinds of scams can look like um but yeah i imagine that that's the kind of that kind of subject can kind of requires almost its own dedicated show to get into the depths of 
where that can go and how bad it can be. People claiming falsely to be agents, for example, and they'll take your book for this much of a fee, and then you never hear from them again, yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, I hear about these stories all the time, and it's sad, but uh, I mean, really, that's just a matter of doing your due diligence, doing a little bit of extra homework, research who this person is, does, does their name show up anywhere, has anybody heard of them before? I mean, everybody's got to be new at some point, so there's always that's always a difficulty where like if, you, if nobody's heard of them and they're just honestly trying to make a go as an agent or something, then that's, you know, yeah, that's a struggle too. So, you know, it's not just the writers who have difficulties with this kind of stuff, but, uh, to get into the more, I guess, content oriented approach. Um, I've found that a lot of people I've spoken to over the years as either avid readers or, uh, excited potential writers and this sort of thing. Sorry, not potential writers. Everybody's a writer if they write. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I hear you. But you know what I mean. Um, like, you get the people who self-insert, um, which is a problem. It can work, but uh, if you make a Mary Sue character because it's basically your power fantasy, that's... Uh, that's usually a problem. That's generally a problem. And... and the bigger reason for me for which that's an issue, because like, let's face it, people love a power fantasy. If you want to spend 300 pages just enjoying uh, following along with a hero who's putting all the bad guys in their place and can never really be stopped, that's an experience some people can enjoy, and that's fine. I don't necessarily think that that's an issue. You see it in comic books fairly often, I'm sure, yeah. and a lot of novels do it, fan fiction it all the time uh the bigger issue i think with that tactic is that if you're if you are the protagonist and you see them as basically the best version of yourself and then you get readers giving you criticism yeah that could be hard yeah not, not just for your feelings but uh if you're a new new writer and you're not familiar with how it's important to have a thick skin you can respond very poorly to that. And, and, and it's hard not to, for a, a writer in that situation not to take it um, to heart, not to say, like... Um, yeah, like to run home, run home and attack a, a, a tub of Haagen-Dazs over it. Yeah, or even just, just to, to lash out at the reviewer, like online or something like that, because if you if you think you've based all the characters' traits on yourself or like this ideal version of yourself, and someone else says I hate that character, it's it's can be hard for a young, inexperienced author not to take that as they hate me. Yeah, and then they lash out accordingly. Yeah, and they'll usually do something to defend their ego. Uh, you must not know what you're talking about. You're clearly not a good reader or whatever. And these kinds of responses, these knee-jerk, lash-out reactions to criticism, uh, that goes down very poorly for everyone. Um, so, yeah, you get that aspect of uh, common writer mistakes, uh, just being too passionate. Like, I mean, not too passionate per se, but like unwilling to take criticism, feeling that your project is so important because to an extent it is so important. It's your love labor, but it doesn't mean anything to anybody else until readers start connecting with it, which is out of your hands one way or the other. So 
on the one hand, you need to have a certain amount of what a buddy of mine called, uh, you know, well, you know, I'm Scott Bradley. He's made the remark that uh, you need to have, uh, what was the exact phrasing, irrational optimism okay. about the, poten- the potential for your own success. Like you need to have a faith in the fact that your writing will get out there, that you will accomplish what you want to accomplish, and that your stuff matters. Because if you think that your stuff doesn't matter, it's going to be hard to get back to your keyboard every day. Yeah. But at the same time, you also need to be able to hold, and this is what I'm saying, uh, a divide between that passion and optimism and a realistic expectation of how the world works. For example, not selling well doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad writer. It's not a reflection on you as a person. It's not even necessarily a reflection of your work. It's not necessarily a problem with the marketing. Sometimes books just take a while to take off. Yeah. And that's just life. It is. And and there are great books out there that never take off, as sad as that is. Like, yeah, it it's sad. Yeah, it's just, but it's also a fact of life. It sad is. though it might be. So there's... There's got to be a certain level of realism there, which is why, um, well, for example, when I finished my high school and went on into undergrad, I chose to go with an English degree, thinking that that would equip me with tools that would help me as a creative writer. But an English degree is about academic writing, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good things to be said for that. you got an English degree, you can go into a whole bunch of fields with a bunch of excellent skill sets that are really handy and relevant. It's a very valuable program, but I found that the first thing I had to do after graduating was to unlearn all the tactics I developed as an English major in order to be a creative writer, because it's just such a different dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So there's a certain amount of, you know, regulating your expectations, I guess, would be the short answer. (laughs) Okay. Makes sense. Thank you very much. Next we have Ida Linehan Young. She is the author of the award-winning Mary Rowe series. The, the started with Being Mary Rowe and then on to The Promise and on to The Liars and then sudden, I might have done the wrong order there, and then specifically to the newest book, The Stolen Ones. Ida, what are common traits for aspiring authors in your, in your mind? Stuff that like every author does when they're young or when they're aspiring and it's just a mistake that you see happening. What is uh, that track for you? What's something that they do or that you do? Also, quick note, Right Project fans, while I have you, my latest book, As Loved Our Fathers, is on store shelves now. If you're listening to this online, you can see a link to it down in the description. I would really appreciate if you can check it out. It's a hunt for the Holy Grail set in Newfoundland and really examines Newfoundland history. It's my most personal novel to date and brings in a lot of my thoughts on Newfoundland and Newfoundland culture that we've touched on on this show, but I've never really gotten into in my writing. So I'm really interested to see what people think of it. Please give it a check out if you have the ability. Um, I think for me, for for me in particular, when I started uh, reading or writing, 
in the beginning, like the historical part of my writing, um, it was not doing enough research. So like things, small little things uh, that I had in the book in the beginning uh, were um, not historically accurate. Okay. So like, uh, so that's some of the things now, like to some people that might not matter, but I'm very analytical and I'm very technical. So okay. I like, I like to have those things right. Uh, and sometimes it's not easy to find. So like when, when in a descriptive way, I guess, uh, I have to be careful when I'm describing because I have to be describing something that is accurate to the time. Uh, but um, I think something that people fail to understand when you're, when you're writing is that you're going to get a lot of no's and there's going to be a lot of uh, things that you're going to have to kind of uh, settle on not being right about and that you have to make changes on and, and things like that. So if you go into, uh, if you go and write and believe that, you know, everything that you write is going to be taken as is, yeah. um, that is not necessarily true. And you're going to have to, to change and evolve yourself. Now, yeah. I'm not sure that everybody that writes um, would actually even be in that mindset. No, um, a lot of them are, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, like it's, I guess I always strive to be better and however I can be better, I will try and be like when I started being Mary Rowe, I was fresh out of the box as an author of historical fiction. And I had, um, I had written the story. I had a lot of things wrong there and it was on a, a, like a linear timeline. So today she did this tomorrow. She did this the next day she did this. So it it was very linear. Yeah. And when I when I had it finished, a lot um, like some of the every a lot of people loved it, but there was people said, "Oh, you know, it was too nice and and too you know everything was done right." So the next book, when I released the promise, I was like, "Well, you know, I'll I'll change that." So I made sure that everything wasn't so nice, and I left it at, at a cliffhanger. But yeah. then I had people throwing books at me and like stopping me on the trails and saying, what the hell did you do with that that girl? And so I was like, okay, I better tone that down. So then when I did the liars, I did, uh, I didn't do a singular timeline then either. So what I did with that one is I like, I chunked it up and, and it was going back in time and just in their minds, but it was the same characters. So then when, when I evolved to the liars, then I had to, like two different lots of characters a hundred years apart. So everything was an evolution for me with this series. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot, a lot of sense. I, I find that there are two camps of readers. There's readers who like want to be challenged and like are okay if like the plot takes a, a strange turn or if a character they love, something bad happens to them or they do something they don't like or something like that. And then there's readers who just want a nice story you know what i mean like they yes, just yeah. they want something that so like you're, there's always going to be that war between the two the two readers like do i want to tell a nice story where everyone acts like they're supposed to and it's real nice or do i want something morally ambiguous where it makes people think you know what i mean 
But like authors could be like that as well, right? Oh, like yeah. For me as an author, I wanted to be more. I wanted to be uh, more than just the nice story person. Sure, for sure. Right? So, so like it was part of my development as well. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And you're right. A lot of authors do think like I've I've met a lot of young authors who who like think that their first draft is done. Like, oh, it's done. I'm like, nope, you've started. That's that's the end of the beginning kind of thing. Um, and then when they they've done a few drafts and they're happy with it, they think I'm done. And then they get really upset at any edits. Kind of like, I, there's one. Uh, whenever I'm dealing with a, a young author uh and i say something like you know you need to re remove this scene or that scene or something like that uh and they say no i ask them to justify it and if there's a justification then i'll do it but so often the only justification is because that's the way i wrote it and that's not good enough because you could write it a million ways you know what i mean Yes. And that's one of the things like as an author you must you must learn you might have the the nicest scene in Canada in your book. And your yeah. editor might say, you have to get that, get rid of that. So it's not like you have to get rid of it forever. So you can just take it and put it somewhere and introduce it in a different book in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, that's wonderful. Thank you very much for that, Ida. Thank you very much. Next on the line, we have J.R.H. Lawless, author of the novel Always Greener. Uh, Jay. Uh, are there any, what are common traps out there for aspiring writers, uh, pitfalls or cognitive things they get into, however you want to interpret it, but, you know, traps for people who are looking to get into writing? Oh, there's so many, uh, where to start. Um, first trap is, uh, imposter syndrome is thinking that, you know, oh, can't possibly do it or, oh, I, if only I had the time, you know, five minutes is enough time. Uh, five minutes every, you know, every three, four days can be enough time. It'll just take longer to get anywhere, yeah. but it's, it's, it's time, you know, uh, 500 words for a professional author can be a good day some days. Uh, you know, there's absolutely, uh, you have to, first thing is to get over this, this misconception that, you know, you have to just be sinking so much time, be sacrificing and be the sort of, you know, miserable artist suffering, you know, in poverty to, no, no, it's, it's not, it's not what it's about. It's about, you know, finding time, you can always find time, just like exercising in a way, I guess, although I'm probably better at my writing than exercising. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's very much feasible for anybody. Anybody can do it. And every single writer out there is convinced that uh, was it somebody I was mentoring in the uh, uh, Sifwa uh, mentoring program just recently told me, um, you know, that he felt like he'd stolen a, a writer's suit. Well, everybody, like the secret is every writer is wearing a stolen writer's suit, uh, and that's how it works. So that, that's really the first big pitfall. Uh, after that, I would say uh, once you actually get into it, you do something um, brilliant. Um, sending things out before they're fully cooked is definitely a major, major trap, yeah. but at the same time, you don't necessarily know how to cook it. Uh, so, you know, it's a bit of a catch 22, but luckily there are plenty, plenty of resources out there today. I know I wouldn't be where I am now, you know, which is only the beginning of a career, but it's, it's something, uh, as an agented author. If um, I didn't have uh, that support, if I didn't go seek out the information, go seek out the community, uh, 
particularly on Twitter, you know, about uh, yeah, communities and events like Pitch Wars, which are absolutely fantastic. I did it twice with two different manuscripts, never got in, but that's not the point. Uh, I won Pitch Wars in my mind because I learned so much by engaging with it, uh, by following people who were ahead of me uh, and who were, you know, giving, giving that helping hand. Uh, just like I want to do as much as possible now, and, and I do so. So it's you know it's um, uh, everything is there to learn to you know reach that next step. It's always reaching the next you know reaching the next milestone, and, and also just constantly you know keeping at it, uh, whatever the outcome. You know, just not stopping at whatever rhythm works for you. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's perfect. And I like what you said about sending something out uh, when it's not done baking or cooking, because that's yeah. that is something that I find happens a lot. And you're right; it is hard for a, a young, and I mean young, experience wise, not age wise, author to yeah. know when it's done baking. Yeah. yeah, and there's definitely no age for you know for starting a writing career either. No, you know, absolutely no age whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Next we have Paul David Power. Uh, he's got a new book, Crippled, out through Breakwater Books. Paul, what are common traps for aspiring writers? If you find that the you know mistakes, pitfalls that young authors make, what advice would you give for avoiding X? Uh, just keep working at it. Um, I think taking time and not rushing. Uh, my first my first draft of my play crippled was 12 pages and i told the to so, whole story in 12 pages and i thought hey, there's no story there but um once I, I took my time and just enjoyed the process instead of getting to the end um it works out a lot better but yeah no i i agree absolutely thank you very much next we have Michelle Porter, who is a poet currently living in St. John's, Newfoundland, for her recent book of poetry, Inquiries, from Breakwater Books, cut on the heels of her last book, Approaching Fire, also from Breakwater. Michelle Porter, uh, in your opinion, what are common traps or, or pitfalls that aspiring writers or poets can find themselves in? Um common aspiring i'm going to focus on poetry here i think one of the common one of the beautiful things about poetry is how it can use metaphor to say one more than one thing at once um and i'm and and so um uh, some uh, some poets can uh, early poets can approach poetry as simply an expression of experience and it's beautiful that way but as you're moving along the journey, you begin to link your personal experience with the universal. And, um, and of course, that's true of all writing. All writing is good when you link your personal experience, emotions that brought you, whatever brought you to writing, and link it to the universal. Uh, but it can take a while for, I think, particularly early poets to get to that place. And I'm going to say that the second thing that I'll say is almost the opposite, that um, <laughs> is that... Uh, Poets forget um, to speak clearly in their poems sometimes um, and um, try and, and make things sound too fancy, too complicated. Uh, you know, even when we're speaking universal, simple is, it simple, is um, simple and direct uh, are good. Um, our wonderful readers really, really respond to that. Um, and I think, I guess the third thing I would say is that um, 
there are different conversations that are that are happening in the poetry world. So you have the conversation that the poet is, of course, happening having with themselves. You have the conversation that the poet is having with other poets. And sometimes that conversation of poets having with other poets, they're doing that because, you know, it, it's, it's like when a sports person is talking sports lingo and that's what's important to them. There's also the third conversation, which is the poet and their poetry and the, the reader. And that's where uh, some of that, that magic happens. And that's where, you know, large audience stop and take notice of, of, of poetry. And you, I can think of, um, you know, so many beautiful poets who have come to that place where they're having these other conversations, but they're also having that direct conversation with their readers. And that's when we all come to poetry and we all need it. Absolutely. That's yeah, that is how I feel when I'm reading, when I'm really into a poem. That's excellent. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Next we have Dr. Richard Elcock on the line. He is the author of Homecoming, one of the short stories featured in Us Now, which is just released from Breakwater Books, edited by Lisa Moore, with stories by The Quilted Collective. Uh, Richard, in your opinion, what are common traps or pitfalls for aspiring authors? What are uh, mistakes that young authors make? Um, thank you for saying young. I don't know if it still applies, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, in terms of things that we may fall into, uh, as someone who had been away from writing for a long time before getting back into it as a member of the Quilted Collective, I would say that certainly kind of feeling that it needs to be perfect and you need to have it phrased just right before getting it onto paper maybe was one of the pitfalls I found myself falling into. It was almost hard to get ideas from my mind onto paper initially. And I think just kind of brainstorming and just letting myself go and you can turn back later and make it pretty and make it make sense afterwards, but just get getting raw ideas out there on paper can be really helpful. Um, as opposed to thinking that every sentence needs to be gold as it moves from your fingertips to Microsoft word. Right. So yeah, that would be, I think the caveat that, uh, would exist there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, big time. I, I really agree there. That mm-hmm. um, the my old adage is is done is better than perfect. How about you know that? I mean? Totally yeah, yeah. agreed. Totally yeah. agreed. Mm-hmm. I it's not an edict that I would bring over into your professional life as a as a medical professional. Correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heart surgery. Oh, you know, done is better than perfect. There you go. Let's just yeah, get yeah. it done. Wrapped and over with, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get so it much. here by five. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. Not so much. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on again. For all of you, we'll be here again next week at 4.30 Newfoundland time or online at chmr.ca. Please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture in Newfoundland. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Write Project podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're interested in any of the books that we've featured here today, there are links in the description for you to purchase those books on Amazon. And when you use those links, Amazon kicks a tiny portion of it back to the channel, which is lovely. It helps everybody. It helps the author with the sale, helps the channel, and it helps you find new wonderful books. Either way, thank you so much for listening. It's really appreciated. We'll be here every Monday at 4 p.m. on CHMR and chmr.ca, as well as every Wednesday in 2023 at 2 p.m. with a special episode highlighting Breakwater Books and their 50 years of success in Newfoundland Publishing.
be sure to check both out. Please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture and writing culture in Newfoundland.